This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. From the Headstuff Podcast Network, welcome to The World According to Wikipedia, the podcast that explores the weird, wonderful and baffling world of Wikipedia, the people who write it and what makes them tick. With me, Fanula, And me, Rebecca. In this episode, we will talk to Femke Nysa, an academic based in the UK who researches climate change and in her spare time edits articles relating to this on Wikipedia. So, Fanula, yes. and this is how I start every bloody episode. Yes, tell me. Do you know the difference between vandalism and an unconstructive edit on Wikipedia? Uh, Is one like deliberate malice and the other is just rudeness? That's that's a pretty good summation, but it can be a little bit broader, a little bit different at times. So vandalism is straightforward, as you say. It's edits that make a Wikipedia article worse, like they damage it. So yes, it's it's, it's malicious editing. Okay. and quite often this is very obvious, like adding swear words, uh, nonsense, you know, to an article or other inflammatory language um, into the content. Sometimes it's even more basic than that. It's just deleting large parts of a page, which is referred to as blanking. Um, but unconstructive edits can be a bit more subtle and may not be motivated entirely by ill intent, like vandalism. Ah, so I do actually have a favourite wiki vandalism thing, which... I know, I'm bad. In the Irish film The Guard, I don't know uh, if you've seen it, but the guard in question played uh, by Brendan Gleeson came, like his character came forth in the Seoul Olympics 1500 metre freestyle event. And every so often uh, the wiki entry is changed to reflect this, which I know it's a bad thing, but also... mm, and then uh, earlier on today, before we recorded, I did actually look up the edit history of the article, which you can, which I've now discovered you can do. So you can see all the edits on a wiki article. And the world weariness of the, the editor comments was just palpable. Uh, there was something along the lines of there's been so much vandalism, i.e. the guard film, that this article has been reverted to the last for certain clean unvandalized version. So I feel bad. I do feel bad, but also, you know, it's. Yeah, there must be something about Brendan Gleeson as well, because um, now we're of the wrong vintage uh, to have been affected by this. But there is a, a film that Irish Leaving Cert students study called Cockamillish that has Brendan Gleeson in it. OK. And yes, you do get Leaving Cert students just vandalising that page just out of sheer frustration. <laughs> so I'd imagine if Wikipedia had been around for us, it would have been like, you know, on Thriel and um, Peg. And do things like that. Air on Dart. Exactly. We would have been, yeah. Those are the ones that we've been like, oh, yeah. smashing keyboards at it. But strangely enough, uh, there was an example of uh, this sort of vandalism uh, or kind of directed unconstructive edits on Wikipedia in the last few days. And they originated from a TikTok video, uh, which is encouraging people to add themselves to the notable people section of the hometown of their own hometown article. Oh, no. Which explains a whole load of edits that I had to revert on the article for Carlo Town. <laughs> Keeping you busy and on your toes. But it was really baffling. I was like, why did... And they were like adding things, you know, so somebody's name and then like vampire or, you know, top lad or... And I was like, oh, where is this coming from? Somebody traced back the TikTok video anyway and there's just a bunch of, you know, middle-aged Wikipedians going, damn you kids. But there is a... This is also the reason why a lot of Wikipedians have a love-hate or, you know, despair of Stephen Colbert. 
Okay, tell me more. So way back when, in 2006, when Wikipedia was only five years old, Gobert did some skits on Wikipedia based on the premise that if a fact is on Wikipedia, then it is true. Something that he called wikality. So truthiness was also another word that he used around this. Okay. He, he encouraged his audience to do things like to save the elephants by wildly increasing their stated population on Wikipedia. Because if it's on Wikipedia, it's true. Oh dear. So he's actually the person behind Q fake news. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, if he only knew, he would go back. He would time travel back to his previous self and go, Steve, no. don't do it. No. Uh, so Q six months of articles relating to elephants, seeing triple the amount of edits than they had done in the previous months coming oh, up to dear. that. Stephen, Stephen, Stephen. Very exasperated uh, Wikipedia editors. But I think that was the first instance of that kind of directed, I mean, it wasn't malicious. It was, you know, it was being facetious. Yeah. And trying to be playful and and playing with the idea of what Wikipedia is and all that kind of stuff. But yes, it was kind of the first time that there was that kind of concerted effort and and probably all of the Wikipedia editors being affected by it, you know, having to deflect it and bring in certain things like protecting an article, which means that a brand new editor can't edit it straight away. Mm-hmm. without having made so having to bring in some of those policies to protect content uh, a lot of that came out of that i think so that's vandalism what's an unconstructive edit then so an unconstructive edit can be um adding information using an unreliable source so adding information from say the daily mail or russia today or perhaps like a, a you know a pr release or you know just kind of a spammy type okay source uh, so a new editor might not know that that's unacceptable as a source on wikipedia so they're they're trying their best but what they're doing is they actually are damaging the quality of the article but not intentionally so it could be using a prime you know primary source material either so say it you know somebody's somebody's own blog in their wikipedia article or, or something like that using it inappropriately or relying too heavily on a source that has a really biased point of view this sort of unconstructive editing is what femke and a lot of those involved in wiki project climate change could find themselves dealing with on a day-to-day basis okay so with this type of edit i presume the goal is to educate the editor to ensure that they have better sources in the future rather than to kind of slap them down yeah so when i reverted all those edits to the carlo town <laughs> article uh when it was so rather i mean you could leave a message for an ip address as well but it's very unlikely that the person editing from an ip address is going to look at the talk page but if it's a brand new editor i leave a little message on their user page on their talk page explaining why the edit was reverted and how you go about making constructive edits so a few kind of how to's uh, as it were and if somebody if it becomes obvious that somebody is just being unconstructive to the point of vandalism being disruptive on wikipedia you get kind of a series of elevating warnings you know right start off quite oh you seem to be trying to edit wikipedia and then kind of go please stop doing what you're doing and it's like no really stop what you're doing right you're going to get blocked uh you know kind of elevates there it does lead to some wikipedians in this particular instance wondering if we should have a template specifically for editors coming from a tiktok video so like you know it appears that you were here due to a tiktok video (laughs) here is how you actually edit wikipedia and somebody even floated the idea of like oh should we all be on tiktok and i'm like oh god i mean you should not you you're you're already on like Twitch and all of the other like you're a solidly millennial. You need to find yourself a Gen Z editor who will TikTok that up. Yes. I mean, and I'm an elder millennial at that. It's yeah. Like we we have we have no place. We have no place on TikTok. I have no place on Snapchat. Yeah, I Snapchat was when I knew I knew I was too old. I'm a live journal generation, so I don't know what that makes me. So kind of Related to the idea of unconstructive edits uh, is, you know, so somebody's trying to, trying their best to edit yeah. Wikipedia. And for the random rule, this episode, something that 
trips up an awful lot of new editors is this phenomena of how Wikipedia is written in the tone it's written. And this is referred to as the neutral point of view or NPOV. So this is the one where I am unable to declare my undying love for Keanu Reeves across all of Wikipedia. Like I can't go into every single article and go, and also Keanu Reeves. I I think that would be vandalism, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't know. But even on like the article of Keanu Reeves, you shouldn't go in and go, Keanu Reeves is dreamy and he is the best ever and uh, we all love him and he's great. I mean, uh, it's pure fact, though. Citation needed. But the idea is is not so much what you're saying is how you're saying it. So it's quite it can be quite tricky. So NPOV is basically how an encyclopedia is written. So like in that really factual, uh, non-emotive language. So it's quite unlike what an awful lot of us learn how to write. I mean, I know in the, in the uh, Irish system quite often for the leaving suit, so you might learn how to write a report, but very few people, I think, choose to do that as a writing comp- comprehension. It's usually an essay. People are trained to write essays and the neutral point of view is pretty much kind of the exact opposite of essay writing. Okay, go on. So essays, you are encouraged generally to examine a particular topic and then form your own opinion and conclusions and put them forward. So form your own arguments and put them forward. But on Wikipedia, the last thing you want to do is to add your own bias or your own conclusions. Uh, So you want to look at your sources and report the information in your own words, so you're not plagiarizing, but to report them without adding your own bias, opinion, or speculation. And this takes practice. Someone with the best of intentions can start to editorialize very quickly. This all sounds very difficult. It is and it isn't. It's a learned skill like all other forms of writing. You know, none of us are born knowing how to write an essay on on Shakespeare. You have to, you know, learn the skill. So on a basic level, NPOV means that you aren't using any of that emotive for peacock language. So you aren't saying that somebody is wonderful, fantastic, groundbreaking, unless you have a direct quote saying saying such. But on a more complex level, it means you're not drawing too heavily on one narrative or one point of view. So if there are counterpoints on something, you are giving them the due weight for the topic due to their relevance to it. And you don't want to, but you don't want to stray into false balance. You know, the thing that journalism is often um, berated for, you know, so for every point, you have to have a counterpoint. Mm-hmm. So this is when, when you're in complex topics, having some kind of familiarity with it helps because then you have perhaps some of the knowledge to be able to evaluate. Like, actually, that is a really niche view of something that's contrarian. I'm not going to give it much weight. You know, I might just give it a passing mention, but I'm not going to write a whole paragraph on it because it doesn't deserve that level of weighting right. within the article. So you don't want to stray into false balance, but also you don't want to ignore different or dissenting points of view. And depending on the topic area, this can be the proverbial tightrope. Rebecca, do you watch Drag Race? I have to admit, I missed the boat at the beginning and now I don't know where to start. Is there someone who can guide me? The joy of Drag Race is out there on Netflix. You can start at the very beginning, but the wonderful people at Sissy That Pod will take you by the metaphorical hand and guide you through the ecstatic highs and death dropped lows of each episode, as they explain in this trailer. Come on, Sissy That Pod, let's get thickening! Are you a fan of the Emmy award-winning show RuPaul's Drag Race? Do you think about Roxy Andrews at the bus stop? And do you belong in Party City? Well, Sissy That Pod is the podcast for you. Join me, James, and my co-host, Keen. Is there something on my face? As we chat weekly about the runway realness, sickening shade, and backstage buffoonery. That's right, whether it's new episodes of Drag Race US, UK, or All-Stars, Sissy That Pod will spill the tea with a new episode for you within 24 hours. So make good choices and subscribe to Sissy That Pod from the Headstuff Podcast Network and we'll leave you gagging on our eleganza. Now, let the music play. 
And now we will hear from somebody who knows all about vandalism, unconstructive edits, and maintaining NPOV, Femke. I'm Femke Neisser. I'm a postdoc postdoctoral research fellow at the University of Exeter, investigating innovation and uh, system transition. During my PhD, I worked on uh, climate modeling, climate models analysis, and how much warming we can expect in the next couple of decades and uh, 100 years. Um, and I spend about 10 hours a week editing Wikipedia on these topics. Oh, that's really interesting. You're the first person who's kind of quantified, which I quite <laughs> like. You know, you've kind of got like a, like a time stamp. Yeah, um, yeah. Time. I try to not go over those 10 hours to make sure I keep my sanity. That's a, that's a good idea. That's a really good idea. So how did you get started editing these articles, and uh, specifically the ones relating to, to climate change? I got started when I was marking a couple of essays about geoengineering and I was wondering whether any of my students had looked at Wikipedia and plagiarized something, which wasn't the case, but I did discover then that the article about climate change on the Dutch Wikipedia was rife with errors, not updated, a lot of influence from client deniers. So that's how I got hooked um, editing those pages. I do love those. It, it kind of, it generally boils down to somebody was wrong on the internet. Yes, Absolutely. It's interesting because obviously being steeped in the field, you're able to spot the really erroneous information probably far quicker than the you know the more naive or, or run-of-the-mill editor. So how important do you think it is that climatologists in particular engage with uh, Wikipedia editing? I think it's really important that you have a mix of editors, um, so professionals together with lay people. There are a lot of very difficult discussions within the science where consensus has emerged only in the last couple of years and it hasn't quite seeped through to the, the media. And experts can are basically vital to, to make sure Wikipedia is up to date. There are also common myths that a lot of people adhere to and it's experts that know which of them are false. But Experts alone aren't enough. You need lay people to make sure that the communication is easy enough and um, you're not writing for other academics. That's re what's really interesting when you're saying about the, the myths. What is your, I would say, favourite myth, but maybe one of the most persistent ones or the, the one that you find more surprising? That's just sticks um, one of the myths is what happens when we stop emitting CO2 and other greenhouse gases. Um, so there is this very dominant idea that warming will continue even when we completely stop emitting due to the inertia of the climate system. But there are two different mechanisms that compensate each other. You've got the carbon cycle, which basically takes up half of every molecule uh, together with the ocean. Half of all the, the CO2 that is emitted is immediately the same year taken up by the carbon cycle um, and in the ocean. And that will continue the moment we stop emitting. Some of the atmospheric CO2 will be drawn down. And that, together with the inertia, makes it that probably temperatures will be quite stable after we stop emitting. And one, what was quite funny is that at some point, the NASA website actually said that temperatures would increase. And I had quite an um, intense discussion with another editor because you wouldn't expect there to be a mistake on that website. It shows you how pervasive a misconception can be. That yeah, it can, yeah, yeah. yeah, end up there. I was looking at the history of the Climate Change Wiki Project, mm -hmm. which has been around since 2010. I suppose we're aware of kind of the broader trends as to why there's increased activity. Do you think there's anything unique to Wikipedia as to why there's kind of been a, a certain uptake in more recent years? Some of it is indeed just the broader um, 
community uh, interest in, in climate change. Another one is also you build a community within the, the Wikipedia swear. And in 2008, there was a very toxic atmosphere, Wikipedia around climate related to climate denial and people um, being very harsh in denouncing climate deniers and also breaking civility rules so that it was quite difficult to not only make sure the climate deniers were kicked off of, of Wikipedia, but a lot of editors that did have the facts straight were also breaking rules, so also um, had to, to be blocked from editing those pages. I think it's only recently that we've completely recovered from those uh, wiki wars, as they were called, the climate wars. Well, Wikipedia is a mirror to the world, so it's, it's going to reflect what's happening in broader mm-hmm. uh, broader communities as well. So you mentioned the controversy around the acceptance and perhaps the interpretation of uh, emerging and, and also historical science around uh, climate change. What are the major challenges that uh, the Wiki Project has encountered and those engaged in editing in that area? So I think the major problems are in the past. Currently, if somebody comes to Wikipedia and complains about something to do with climate denial, we can shut them down really quickly. All the discussions have been held. Those people aren't really creative. There's no new arguments from the climate denial sphere. So it's like, well, yeah, we talked about that and no goodbye. But there are some historical problems still. Uh, I regularly encounter climate denial talking points in pages that aren't edited frequently because people have never come around to to basically cleaning all these pages. So kind of the quieter, the quieter kind of backwaters of, yeah. of the yeah. topic. Yeah, it, yeah so not the, the less hype, so not the main page on climate change, but no, no, no. kind of more tangential mm-hmm. and niche topics related to it. That's very yeah. interesting. Yeah. And I presume that that's kind of the case regardless of the language. Yeah, I, I assume so. Um, there will be loads of pages that have never been edited by more than five people. Um, and there, there's been research done on this topic as well. The bigger, the more popular a page is, the better neutrality um, is upheld. It's almost like the stressor forces higher quality. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah, it, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. More people, more eyeballs. Yeah. Which I think people find counterintuitive because they think if something is really popular, it's going to solicit more vandalism, more, you know, disruptive edits. Yeah, yeah. But disruptive edits, to some extent, are really good because if you have lots of disruption on a page, it will typically be detected and more editors that were engaged elsewhere will come to that page to solve the page and make it usually better than before somebody started disrupting it. Do you find that it's the usual, well, I say the usual, but do you find that it's people creating new accounts or trying to edit from IPs that are engaged in this behaviour? Or is is there still established editors that would kind of float into the space and perhaps try and disrupt an existing page. Disrupting it in, in terms of climate denial, that's bare. No, I, I don't think there's any dis, any established accounts that do that. Most of the established accounts that were really disruptive have been blocked from editing on this topic. So it is usually newer accounts. And um, IP addresses can't edit the most controversial um, climate change pages because they have been too disruptive in the past. So you, you, yeah, you have the protections uh, yeah, in, yeah. in place. In your in your piece uh, with Mashable, uh, they referred to you as quote unquote the de facto leader uh, of the Wiki Project, and also I suppose of the you know the main curator or keeper of the page on climate climate change. Uh, do you, do you agree with that, Moniker? Always controversial within Wikipedia to 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 say that I, I do try to shepherd that page and make sure that every new editor is welcome and doesn't impact the page too much 
much while they're learning Wikipedia. And I try to coordinate different tasks when uh, I'm too busy to do them myself. So in that sense, yeah, try to moderate different discussions. We do. We, we are, I suppose, we issue uh, hierarchies, but I suppose they emerge because it's just a sometimes a byproduct of human behavior. Yeah, and as long as hierarchies aren't, as long as I'm not dictating what's on the page and my voice isn't weighed more strongly, as in I, I see it more as a coordinating role than as a leadership role. And of course, those two always emerge. And when you're coordinating, you do have more impact. But I do always try to, to make sure that different voices are heard in discussions. The main topic is going to be so, like the, the main article is going to be so diverse, you know, the diversity of what it's trying to cover mm-hmm. is going to be quite challenging. So yeah. Yeah, I think- yeah, yeah. And I don't have all the the answers either. So quite often I do need everybody around me to, uh, to work on it as well. That's a byproduct of a PhD. You start to figure out how little you do know. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> the process of finding out an awful lot about something very niche. Mm. We're going to say a lot of the problems are, are historical, you know, as regards, I suppose, what we would think of as vandalism and, and things like that. But going forward, what do you think is the, the not even just the single, but some of the greatest challenges related to this this body of articles on Wikipedia? The science develops really fast. The uh, technological developments are really fast. Politics is, is ever-changing. And that conflicts with neutrality, because in loads of articles, we still say it's likely or it's possible that climate change will cause X or Y when it's already done so and properly attributed. Um, So we are underplaying the severity of climate change just because we haven't come to updating loads of pages. The same with technology. We're still underestimating sort of the power of renewables because even if you take data from two years ago, that image is completely different from what we have now because these prices are keeping on falling and the uptake even during the coronavirus hasn't really stopped. So uh, we underestimate the the power of renewables and batteries and and loads of pages. So do you think the barriers there are... The sources that are available uh, readily to to editors and the sources that are acceptable um, and the lag perhaps in publication is that one of the sometimes as in with a lot of the technological developments they go like year by year so sometimes these uh, papers are not the most up to date um yesterday we had the discussion uh, to talk about what, polit- what how we would describe the political engagement from different countries to the Paris Agreement. And we had a source from April saying that basically all countries in the world didn't do enough. And you think it's less than a year old, that would be a good source to use, but it's already outdated because since April, many countries in South Korea, Japan, China, the EU have all made new commitments to net zero on quite a short term. So sometimes it's it's the, the lack of sources, mostly it's the lack of resources and lack of, of people editing. We have about 22,700 pages that we curate um, and most pages are edited once every, yeah, a couple of times a year, except for automated edits by bots that sort of correct typos and those kind of things. So it's mostly just having enough people actually editing the pages. Yeah, capacity is the word that yeah. always seems to kind of come up. So if you were to wave your magic wand, I presume it would be to suddenly, you know, people would have lots of extra time or interest. Well, I, I think that for researchers, it's not extra time that you need. It's very valuable for your for your own basically as an activity within your research, because what you do is read about your own topic, have a broader understanding of the literature around it, which will help you 
during your own research. I have quite often found papers to write about on Wikipedia and then made them an, an integral part of how I think about my own science. So it's it's the question to what extent, for instance, academics are willing to dedicate some of their research time to these kind of literature review um, activities. Do you find yourself evangelizing to your fellow academics? Um, yes. Or <laughs> Yeah, I have organised one one workshop, uh, which a lot of my my colleagues did like uh, participating in, and other people. I try to because it takes up quite a big chunk of my life, so it would be a bit boring for most of my friends to hear me talk about Wikipedia again. But I do uh, do try to engage people with tiny snippets, like I know you're an expert in that. Can you write that one sentence in that one article? And I think Wiki Project Medicine think in very kind of similar ways you know if I think you know if you get everybody who's a medical professional to just edit for one hour a year yeah yeah you know what the what the net benefit would be oh that would be great yeah I think medicine has a very similar problem with time the field develops really fast and capacity isn't always there to to keep up with that yeah and kind of cases like that would you as I know with with COVID-19 and things like that there's kind of been this you know, I think people are far more aware of like preprints and perhaps the process behind um, how received literature appears. Mm-hmm. Um, do you tend to kind of be slightly more cautious, maybe perhaps around that kind of slightly more, I suppose, cutting edge or the bef- that process before something becomes officially published? Yeah, so within the all the medical articles, you're just not allowed to use any preprints. Um, the rules for general science articles aren't as strict, but I do advise people to stick to very similar rules because we know that a lot of preprints are not the same when they're actually published. There are some, there might be errors in the papers and you quite often don't know how accepted an idea will be the week it's published. Um, it's usually good to wait a couple of months to see the response of other academics to a paper. Well, that's interesting to see the reception um, and critique that appears. Has there been anything really surprising that you've ended up editing? You know, the way you kind of had the blue link hopping where you kind of end up in a a strange Um, vein. No, I do sometimes edit articles completely unrelated. For instance, if I read a certain book series and I want to know when the next volume of that series is coming out, I will edit the article about that book. So I think that if you go through my edit history to all these topics, all the articles that are not climate related, you can sort of see my activities apart from Wikipedia editing uh, display in it. So your Netflix uh, obsessions and... uh, Yes, yes. I like like that. I like that. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's probably a body of research. You know, all that data is free. You know, if you want to kind of create a profile of somebody, that's data that could be mined definitely on a a Wikipedian. Is there anything else you kind of wanted to mention before we finished up? Anything you wanted to shout out or kind of an interesting? So, so one of the 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 things about um, climate denial is that we've become quite defensive on Wikipedia. A lot of our articles probably have a systematic bias towards the US, where climate denial is actually a political force, which it isn't in most of the world. And that is the thing that's quite difficult uh, to to edit properly because there's so many of our editors coming from the US. And I don't quite know what the correct answer is, considering a lot of our readers are from the US as well. Yeah, so the the US-centric bias is probably heavier weighted in that particular topic area than perhaps maybe it would be in in another science. It's very subtle, because usually when there is a bias towards the US, you say, in the US, X happens. Um, um, You just don't mention any of the other countries. Whereas here, it's about how you tell the story of climate change. 
which differs across countries. And I am only I only speak European languages, so I don't have access to any countries that are not the Americas or Europe. Uh, but I do know that in Europe, we typically tell that story differently. Femke was very interesting there. Uh, you know, there's a lot going on in the climate change uh, Wikipedias. Yeah, and you can imagine that it could be something that could really grind you down. Yeah. You know, but I think she has a very kind of uh, structured and rational way of approaching it, which stands her in huge good stead. Uh, you know, she doesn't get kind of overwrought by it. And she's quite like strict. You know, I edit this amount of hours in the week. I'm not going to let it bleed over into the rest of my life, which, you know, with an awful lot of us learned. <laughs> Yes, yes. For the many, many hobbies that all of us have, it's like, hmm, maybe we should compartmentalize this a little bit more. And I think that's really important. You know, that's probably why she's able to keep the momentum going because yeah. she's not getting swamped by it. Um, but it's it's fascinating. You know, you find an awful lot of par- parallels with like Detha and Wiki Project Medicine, you know, mm. dealing with quite a topic that can be quite fraught at times, you know, and that there's an awful lot of uh, emotion and opinion, uh, yes. which does not necessarily belong uh, in these discussions. No neutral point of view there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think what will be interesting in the next episode talking to Alex is actually kind of exploding that the little bit of the of the US centric feeling that an awful lot of these things have and how we can actually work kind of against that and put that in its own little box. Okay. And try and tackle things at a wider That's wider a scale. Throw forward there to skillfully. Yes. But we do have, uh, uh, we will be having over the next few weeks uh, longer um, versions of our interviews dropping to the Headstuff plus network so if you uh, subscribe to us um via the headstuff plus site and choose us as one of your very special podcasts you can choose up to three podcasts um and i think that we should be your number one because we're obviously educational um rebecca knows everything she knows where you live um and uh, <laughs> she will hunt you no <laughs> No, you could you just support us because we're doing great work and you should support everything to do with wikipedia including us um you can also choose two other podcasts there are many out there on the network my two personal favorites at the moment are what and Pod- politics and spice bag uh there's also mother folklore but that's a long-standing favorite but my the ones that i i look forward to listening to every week that bring a refreshing insight into things um particularly the spice bag podcast i love that one um it's great so all of those things on the on the site are there if you use five euro a month plus VAT. You get all of their extra bonus material for all of the podcasts, even the ones that you don't like choose as your special three. But then you will also get new episodes. We'll have bonus episodes going up um, at some point in the next few weeks as well. Long versions of our current interviews. um, But incredibly interesting, but long conversations with uh, fellow Wikipedians. So if you're interested in how I've gotten to know people, the the overlaps that uh, all sorts of international Wikimedians have, some of the in-jokes that we have. So in some of our bonus uh, episodes that we're planning, we're going to be looking at things like the Wikimedia Cuteness Association and Wiki Project Death. And just some of the more niche, interesting areas of Wikipedia that perhaps don't warrant a whole episode all to themselves, but are still interesting enough to add into our bonus feed. It's just five euro a month plus fat. And when you sign up, no matter what shows, uh, you like you're getting all of that bonus material. You're becoming part of a uh, wider community. You're supporting an Irish 
podcast network, really importantly. So that's important to you. It's important to us. Um, and you get all that bonus material and you become one of a very select group of people with yes. incredibly high taste. So the wiki hero of this episode is one that is tied into Wikipedia's 20th birthday. So as we all know, January 2021 marks Wikipedia's 20th birthday and a huge number of Wikipedians have been featured in news articles and other features all over the world, telling their stories about Wikipedia, how they got involved, all that good stuff. For this week, our hero is another academic who has studied Wikipedia for many years, uh, Darius Shumilinak, and who very artfully this week framed Wikipedia in a number of ways over the years, but for this one, he framed it as a massive role-playing game or an MRPG. Oh my God, an RPG. That's nerd levels upon nerd levels. I am so, so impressed with that. <laughs> so Darius is a Wikipedian and an academic uh, who is an admin on Polish Wikipedia and has written about many different aspects of the Wikipedia ecosystem over the years, including a really interesting book, which is an ethnography of Wikipedia, and has come up with a number of ways of framing Wikipedia in a way that kind of aids understanding of the how and why people get involved as editors and contributors. As a gamer myself, I think this metaphor is really helpful. Um, it, as many of the behaviours like goal chasing, completionism, ranking, edit counts, are all very Wikimedian activities and could also be seen as gaming mechanisms. The way, and you could see Wikipedia as this huge gaming world in which you can explore and quest widely and even mine a specific area for richer and more niche content. But is there a one true storyline? Oh no, no. This gaming world is ever expanding with you in different timelines and generations of players. There is no one way to be a Wikipedian. It is also true that many Wikipedians will assume very specific roles on Wikipedia. So you might like to choose a class uh, in a role uh, playing game like healer, tank or damage. And you might see Femke in particular as a healer protecting and healing a page from constant attack. Whereas a tank might go out and do grunt work editing on the, the face of an unending to-do pile and just absorb the damage. But they just keep going. As you become more experienced, you can unlock or be granted more tools and user rights, which make you more powerful. But that, if you don't use them wisely, can be revoked again. Yeah. So in this analogy, uh, you're the tank, I take it. I wonder what a bard might do. Well, thinking about it, I think would a bard be the people who do like outreach and things like that? Like, because they're telling the story of Wikipedia and kind of, you know, all you're that kind you're, of thought. You're a, a bard tank then. Tank bard. bard tank bard. Tank bard. <laughs> Somebody has to draw you. <laughs> Critical role style. as <laughs> a Wikipedia <laughs> bard tank thing. I don't know if I'm a tank. Uh, I have to admit, like, whenever I'm in any sort of role-playing game, like Dungeons and Dragons or anything like that, I'm generally a rogue. So I don't know if I absorb enough damage uh, to be a tank, to be honest. I think I'm a bit too delicate sometimes with the criticism. Just take okay. it a little bit too personally. Right. But uh, I'm probably more of a rogue. Uh, so just flitting about, mining areas for content, repelling the odd attack, and gathering precious loot in the form of barn stars and thank yous. Cookies Cookies, exactly. I'm collecting cookies. Uh, there are literal roles and personas that Wikipedians can take on, like wiki gnomes, wiki cats, and even wiki slots. And that's definitely something we will explore in an upcoming episode. Excellent. Bum. 
And that was The World According to Wikipedia. Join us in two weeks. You can subscribe to us on your podcast player of choice. Follow us on Twitter at world underscore Wikipedia. Thanks to Patricia O'Flaherty for our artwork and Headstuff for production assistance. Go to headstuffpodcast.com for show notes, more information and to support the Headstuff Plus network. was college age with people so I was definitely I was kind of the wrong demographic but yeah just about skirting the tails of these things we're old is what we're saying here decrepit yeah I certainly am anyway this show is part of the Headstuff podcast network a hub for the creative and the curious shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the podcast studios Dublin find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com